Hey friends, let me jump in here real quick to remind you of our sponsor, 25 Transportation and Solutions. That's 25 Transportation and Solutions. They give you quality transportation, delivery services that you can depend on, getting your freight to and from its destination safe and secure. Contact them at info at 25.org. That's I-N-F-O at T-W-E-N-T-Y, the number five, ive.org or you can call them at 240-479-6376 see you out on the road now let's get back to our episode of the truth and coffee time podcast to Hey friends, welcome to the Truth and Coffee Time podcast with Diverse Love. I am Denise. And I'm Brian. Get your coffee or whatever your cup of joy is and settle in for some bold conversations, some random topics, a few cuss words, and a whole lot of us. Brian, let's go. Hello, 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 everyone. Thank you so much for joining us at the Truth and Coffee Time podcast. I am Miss Denise and Mr. B is out doing sidekick-ish with the Grand Joys. As usual, thank you guys for joining us. I'm so excited once again to have uh, an amazing um, uh, person on our platform to come and just join us, talk with us, share with us, break bread with us, um, if I had some food for you, I'd give you some food, but I know we're going to get some knowledge and that's the food that we're going to be chowing on today. So I want to welcome everyone to um, our podcast and also welcome Deborah Mortimer from Leap, um, from Leap Forward Books to our platform. I'm so excited that she's here. Um, I actually, you know, took a leap of faith myself and asking you to join us as you were asking me to do something. I was like, you know what? I'm going to ask her to join us on our podcast. And when you came back with like no hesitation and said, yes, no problem. I was just so excited and you couldn't see me, but I looked at my husband and I said, yes. (laughs) So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, Before, before you come in, I'm just going to share a little bit about you. She is an Deborah is an attorney. She is an author. Uh, she's a former homeschool parent with a passion for writing. Um, she was inspired by her son and her young nieces and nephews. Uh, and so Deborah decided to turn her passion for writing short stories and poems into crafting children's book. The first time that I even knew you or heard you is when I purchased your book. And so I purchased your books, uh, Zora and the Big Question. This is how Zora, a character named after Deborah's favorite author, Zora Neale Hurston, came to be Zora, and her adventures are based on Deborah's own childhood. And Zora shares her curiosity, thirst, and knowledge and wonderful imagination. I'm just so, so very happy to have the author 
of Zora and the Very Big Question. And um, she also has another book out called When You Give a Girl a Puppy. And then Zora is going to be a collection of books, a collection of stories. And there's one coming out and I can't wait to, to get that one as well. But my first introduction to you was not on on IG, but by buying your book for My Grand Joy. So welcome, welcome, Miss Deborah, to our platform. Thank you so much for having me. That was a huge mouthful. So first of all, I want to tell you that, of course, I was going to say yes, of course, because in the past, whenever I have asked you and other authors to help me out, whether it's by donating books or just coming and reading to kids, you all have done that without hesitation. So how could, of course, if you ask me to do something for you, I'm going to jump at it. Not a problem. So I am very thrilled to be here. Um, I'm so happy that that you bought the book. So now, you know, because it's, yes. it's something so much more than that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we have such a small but tight-knit community of yes. authors and it's um, a pleasure. It's definitely a pleasure. Yes. And I mean, you, you hit that on the head. Like, Our percentage of of authors, especially our African-American women in particular, our percentage is so small. And the the work that you're doing in the community, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the work that you're doing in the community is helping to change that narrative because you're giving uh, exposure to especially new authors like me. I'm a, I'm a newbie and there's other new authors that I see that you work with and you give us opportunities to share to the communities that you're you're working with. And that's huge for us because a lot of us, we wrote the book and then it's like, okay, now what? We don't yeah. know, you know, we don't know that next step. And um, with my book, I have a co-author and she has three books and activity books and everything. So she already has her foot out there doing her thing she already have, you know, her her footsteps out there. And with me as a new author, I'm still and an introvert. I'm still trying to gather <laughs> really that out. We're gonna pull that out. But you know, you made a good point because even though I got into this to do my part to change the narrative, to tell my story, I understand that it's much bigger than me. And yes. it's not just about promoting me. You know, my whole um mission behind Leap Forward Publishing is to promote and develop books with a focus of on diversity. Mm-hmm. And so I know that I have all these dynamic, diverse authors around me. I got to help. I got to do my part to promote their books as well, because mm-hmm. when one of us shines, when all of us shine. Yeah, we, yeah I agree. <laughs> you're doing you're doing such a fabulous, fabulous job. You know, and I hope, you know, we're, we're starting to bring, a, you know, more authors. Like I, I just interviewed um, an author, the author that wrote the book Raising Simba. It's really just a heartfelt story. I'm, I'm you know, getting ready to, to interview another author um, uh, um, uh, that did a Christian, a Christian book, you know, and then I have you, I mean, so I'm trying to, to get as many of our, especially our African-American female authors, mm. especially because not you know not to take anything away from our 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 black male authors but that pool of women you know is just is really really small and we see a lot of our our african american books written by people of non color and then the personification of of animals utilized in the book more yeah. than our black characters well yeah because what do they what i think the statistic now is like 12% 12% yeah black black um characters which is 
still horrendous compared mm-hmm. to nine percent of animals, mm-hmm. right? But I've kind of like changed what my mission is too with with Leap Forward because I was saying that it was really promoting diverse books, but it's also about pro- promoting diverse books and diverse voices. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you can have a book that has diverse characters, but if it's not written by a diverse voice, mm-hmm. then the message still gets kind of lost somewhere. So yeah. um, our voices matter as well. And that's really important for us to have that representation there as well. Yeah. And also for... For us as African-American writers to understand what the word diversity really, really means. Like I, I've been on like um, on I think it's called Club. Um, uh, yeah, on, I've been on Clubhouse and I've spoken a couple of times on Clubhouse in the diverse reading rooms. And I and it's always full of, of black authors in there. But you can tell like the newer authors and they'll say, well, I wrote this book because I wanted people to understand diversity. But when then when you look into the book, the, the book is completely filled with nothing but Black characters. So yeah. I always try to figure out, like, we have to figure out that balance. Are we looking to share diverse representation versus <laughs> diversity? Because, like, my book, Grand Joy, is, is, is diversity, but there's diverse representation in there. But we kind of have to understand what that looks like too when we're sharing our voices because it's more than just a black person writing a black book. It's so much more than that. I totally agree that diversity means that you have to have diverse characters in your book. Mm -hmm. Um, My first book, Zora in a Very Big Question, I was very intentional that I wanted all the career people that Zora sees in the book to be black women or Mm -hmm. women of color. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also threw in my neighbor who was kind of racially ambiguous. Mm-hmm. And my best friend, Dawn, who I had as a child, who was Indian. Mm-hmm. That's important. And in the next book, um, Zora the Brave, I've made sure that I told the illustrator that I want a lot, I want everybody represented in the book. Yeah. I want Asian characters. I want, you know, black characters, of course, but I want Asian, East Indian. I want yeah. um, all these different array of, in, and white, and mm-hmm. white characters. I want all of that in the book because children need to see diversity in the literature that they read in order to learn and appreciate the diversity in the world. Yes. That's important. Yes. So, so you get to really tell several different stories in one book. Yeah. You know what I mean? You get to tell the, the, of course, the story that is written in the book, but then there's that story behind the characters and then that's their story behind the cultures. And then, so you get all of this, this, this meaty, um, um, a line of, of communication that's coming out of one book that's telling all of these different stories. Because if I'm black looking at this, I'm like, like my, my grandchild, she will say, she looks like me. But then if there's an Asian person reading, they're reading it going, oh, wow, she has a best friend who looks like me too. This yeah. is okay. This is, yeah. this is okay to do, you know? So there's all these beautiful stories um, that are written in there. So I love that. And I, and I love that every time I've ever talked to you, whether it was live or, or we were on in some type of interview, you always bring that path forward about diversity and how important that is. So um, I, I appreciate that. I, I really do. Thank you. So, so now being an author and an attorney, what does your typical day look like for you? <laughs> and I know lately it's been like a tornado. It's crazy. My husband, this is a point where my husband was like, you're doing too much. He's like, you are miss, you are miss doing too much. Um, but I wear that badge with 
with pride, right? Mm -hmm. Because we we should be doing too much. I have so many ideas. That's what the problem is. I have so many ideas that sometimes I have to actually just force myself to say no. And you're so excited when that idea pops in your head. Girl, because I've been on the other end of that. Like we were before you asked me to do the reading for your, your students at your community. We were actually talking about something else. And all of a sudden I get this email from you literally less than 24 hours. I say, hey, do you think that you can? I was like, she got an idea. But you, wouldn't know, but you know what's so funny about that, Denise, is that I got that. I went, I got invited to do a reading at the community. I moved into this new city mm-hmm. and I got invited to do a reading at the local community center that I had never been to before. Mm-hmm. I went and did the reading instantly connected with the children, instantly connected with the director. And then I had the idea that night and sent the email that night and said, yep. this is what I want to do. And I think this is going to be great. And I want all of you to do, to do it. Yes. And, and it was so funny because it was like this email. I don't think this idea is even fully formed yet, but she's going to get all these authors on board and she's going to make it happen. And I'm going to do video promotions and I'm going to do all this stuff like that. And my husband said, Another project, huh? <laughs> like, yes, another project. But I've had to actually kind of like hone it down a little bit. And when I when the ideas come, I write them down now. And, and you know, and maybe don't jump on it because I've had maybe in the last week three other ideas that my husband said, really, calm down. <laughs> calm, calm, calm down. We have to get out of this project first. Calm down. I wanted to form a nonprofit last week. It was like, it was like calm down. But, um, Running a law firm and in the publishing, I have had to now divide. I I found the smart way of doing it is to divide my days. Mm -hmm. So like today was an entirely, it was, um, with the exception of this, Mm -hmm. it was entirely a law firm day. Yeah, Everything I did was for the law firm today. Whereas then tomorrow, everything I do tomorrow will be for publishing because I'm editing, you know, I'm helping other people um, publish their own books, coaching and publishing books. I have my own books that I'm publishing. I'm doing editing. So I just, I try to separate the days so that I'm giving each a hundred percent because that's, that's what I really want to do. I'm not really, I'm not doing justice unless I'm giving it a hundred percent. Right. Now, do you um, do you work with the same illustrator every time for all of your books? No, I've actually been accumulating a roster of illustrators that are in different price ranges. So I'm always on the lookout for illustrators. And whenever I find one that I um, I really, really like, I reach out to them, find out what their price point is. And then I just add them to my roster for um, for future Mm -hmm. projects. projects for myself, but also when people come to me for coaching, they are, um, there's a resource, there's a resource for them. I give them the different price points mm-hmm. and then, and then I, and I'm like, these are, and they, they, these are illustrators that have been vetted, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. they feel more comfortable. And then of course, you know, because they're working with me and I'm an attorney, I'm right. going to educate them on the contracts and making sure that they're well protected. So nice. yeah. Yeah. I love that. So I, so right, but right now the illustrator that I had for when you give a girl a puppy will be the new illustrator for Zora because really? of, yes, I'm, cause I'm had a little bit of a separation with the, the previous illustrator. Um, now, but you know, do, I, do you worry about her not being able to get Zora's style down? Do you worry about that? Her or him? No, you know why? Because I have a, I actually have a really, I don't know if you're a part of it. I have a launch team. Mm-hmm. Um, 
a Facebook group where I kind of, and they were very instrumental in when you give a girl a puppy, mm-hmm. uh, I would post pictures of uh, illustrations. They were the ones who, I mean, I had so many polls going on the, on the cover. And it's funny because these are all adults, right? And they give me their opinion. I'm like, yeah, that's nice. I love that you have an opinion, but I don't want to hear from you because you're not my target audience. Yeah. So I have their children. I get them to tell me what their children think. And so a lot of times what their children think is very different, very different than what they thought. Like, for instance, right. the book cover for When You Give a Girl a Puppy, one of the um, options was to have the girl and the puppy running with the puppy's eyes closed. Mm-hmm. And the parents loved that. Yeah. But the children were like, that doesn't make sense. Dogs don't run with their eyes closed. <laughs> right? Which I was like, yeah. Yeah. You're right. They don't. That does make sense. So um, they're, it's invaluable. Their opinions are invaluable. But I actually posted some pictures because I had the new illustrator do some um, some test pictures right. of Zora and posted it. And people really, they loved it. They thought it was great. They actually thought it was better. Really? So I'm hoping that- I'm going to have to join that Facebook group. What's the Facebook group? You have to. It's, called, it's just called Leap Forward Publishing a Focus Group. But- um. Yeah, I, I, I think I think it's because it's more it's more this next book is Zora needs to be more expressive because it's all about being um, her being shy and and learning what brave what bravery is and no, and learning that there are great things on the other side yeah. of fear if you can just be brave. Yeah. Um, so it needs to show all of the different emotions that she goes through and the anxiety of starting something new and meeting mm. people and um and so I think that this illustrator is really able to capture that. So when I read in your bio that Zora was really talking about kind of the things that you went through in your childhood, how how on point is it or is it more loosely fitting that, oh. Oh, no. Well, Zora, the very big question I would say is loosely based. Um, when you give a girl, a puppy is not really a Zora book. I guess maybe it kind of, sort of, kind of, but, um, I mean, I didn't get my first puppy until I was like 35, but it's still, it's still kind of, but Zora the Brave is not not loosely based. Mm -hmm. It's based on an essay that I wrote about myself when I was six Mm -hmm. and how I was painfully shy. And my mom had this great idea to, I, I roll my eyes when I say great idea, to put me in ballet class because mm-hmm. she felt that it would get me out of my shyness. And so it, it was, it did. I mean, well, I'm not shy now. I'm definitely <laughs> not shy. Definitely not a shy person now, but the book, the book, the essay and the book is all about that first day, mm-hmm. that first day when I'm thrusted into this environment where I don't know anyone, I don't know anything. And I have to navigate that. Yeah. I mean, I have to actually like sachet to a spot all by myself and how, you know, I just wanted to just like sink into the, into the ground, but it's all about that. And that's definitely something that I, I went through. And it's so real. It's so real. Me, uh, <laughs> we are military, we're both veterans. And so we've traveled a lot and I can remember, you know, every three years us moving and us being adults, we're just going with the flow, but, but my kids having to start all over, you know, they're thrust into this new school, new, new friends, new different personalities even, you know, and, and my oldest, I just remember her having such a hard time because she, the our last move, she was in high school 
And so to leave what she had already kind of that foundation and to come to a, a new place and and it'd be so different. And yeah. she lived most of her life, you know, overseas. We were living in Italy and and then from, from all around, you know, Italy and then to Alaska and then to come, you know, here to the lower 48s to the United States. It was different for her, you yeah. know. So not only was it a new school, but it was a, a new culture, a new lifestyle, a new way of living, you know, built, just rebuilding everything. And she had such anxiety. Like she would call me in the middle of the day and say, I can't do this. She'd be crying and I have to leave my job and go pick her up. And I wish it, there probably was books out there that could have helped me, but I don't think that there were books out there that represented this young black little girl who just could not navigate starting something new in every facet of her little teenage life. You know what I mean? There actually is a book now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? What book I'm talking about? What book are you talking about? It's called I Move a Lot and That's Okay. <sighs> There's a book. That I have I'm- to write that down. Yes, I move a lot and that's okay. And it's written by my fellow Spelmanite. Um, God, what is her name again? And she's a military brat. Oh, that would be even better. I'm going to order that as soon as we get off. Oh, yes. Charmaine. Charmaine mm-hmm. Perry Knight. Yep. Yeah, but that would have been perfect because she had such, you know, anxiety. And where my my other kids, they were a little bit younger, you know, elementary. And so they kind of just fell in, you know, kids, you know, kids that age or kids. But that older set that she had already formed her circle, you know. what yeah. I mean? And so to so now she's the one on the outside trying to get into someone else's circle or either form another circle. So. Yeah, I love it. I'm going to get this book for my grand joy. So thank you. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a it's a really good book. It's right. a really good book. I read. Yeah. So I'm gonna so I'm gonna focus a little bit on your journey toward being a trademark uh, trademark attorney. I want you to take us back and walk us through your journey leading up to where you are today, and let us follow like um, you being an idealist to an attorney to an entrepreneur and now to an accomplished author. Can you take us on that journey? And that time. Yeah, girl, we got time. We're going to make time. We're going to make time because this is it's so important for yeah. people who want to be where you are to see your journey of how you got there. Because I think, and I'm, I'm speaking too for myself, people see the result and they think, oh, she, she was always smart. She was always this. She had a silver spoon. She was this. She was that. And they don't understand that most time we all have the same struggles. It's just what we do with that struggle to get through that journey to where we are right now. Well, I am was not born with a silver spoon in my mouth. <laughs> I am a first gen, first generation American, um, proud daughter of of immigrants. Uh, my father's from, from Venezuela. My mom's from Jamaica, mm-hmm. born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. And um, I didn't always want to be a lawyer. Not at all. I wanted to be a doctor. That was my that was my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, my big cousin, my mom's cousin actually was a doctor and I saw that and I, I saw this black woman in this position of power, if you will. And I thought, I want to do that. I want to do that because that her that job seemed very, very important. So I, I wanted to be a doctor for years, years. Yeah. I went to a high school that 
was dedicated to future doctors and I did everything. And then I decided in college that I didn't want to do it anymore. And I was kind of lost for a while mm-hmm. until I realized that I have um, a passion for history, a passion for English. Mm-hmm. And um, and I loved learning about civil rights and about uh, and studying the law. And I said, well, why not go to law school? Right. So I um, worked for a while as at the bottom because I said, well, if I, I'm not going to just go to law school, I want to know um what it's about. Like, can I, can I do this every day? So I, I've worked in every area. I worked as a process server, serving rent demands. I've worked as a paralegal, a legal assistant. I've done it all. And so I really decided, yes, I think this is what I want to do. And, um, I went to law school with a a baby. (laughs) I went to law school school with with a baby Mm -hmm. and, um, it was hard. I wonder sometimes how I did it. Um, but I had, you know, my husband, I had my family, I had a lot of help and, uh, and I was, and I had a lot of determination to finish. Um, and then when I graduated, I worked for a entrepreneurial attorney who, who hung his shingle out the moment he graduated. And while law school taught me how to be a lawyer, he taught me, I mean, sorry, well, law school taught me law, mm-hmm. he taught me how to be a lawyer. Got it. Taught me how to... Tell us the, the, the distinguish between. There is a very big difference in how to be a lawyer because law school teaches you not so much law. Law school teaches you how to think like a lawyer, how to rationalize things and how to identify issues and, and, and stuff like that. But being the act of being a lawyer, how to conduct yourself, um, how to cover yourself, how to carry yourself with integrity, um, how to, you know, um, have people trust you. And actually be trustworthy, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and um, and to uh, be diligent, do your due diligence, how to, um, if you're a type A personality, how to be a type A plus personality, mm. um, how to just carry yourself with, in, you know, with, um, in a way that's befitting the profession, basically. And uh, especially, especially in law, because sometimes lawyers get such a bad rap. You know, the, you know, I've I've heard. I was on the on the phone with a friend the other day, and and one of our mutual friend has um, gotten dementia, and she's really really bad. And her husband needs to like see a lawyer to get their estate in order and all these things in order. And the first thing he says is, "I don't trust them. I don't trust any lawyers." And it's like you wonder, like, what happened between you and whatever lawyer that was to, to make you feel like you can't trust any lawyers to, to help you. Cause we've had some great relationships with lawyers. Now we have had a few lawyers that was just not on the up and up, but we didn't let that taint the water of us. If we need a lawyer, we're going to get a lawyer. You know what I mean? So, so it's great that, that you had both of that you know, that platform, that scale to say, hey, this is law school, but now this is how you be a lawyer. You know? Yes, yes, yes. How to write, how to write letters effectively, how to, um, cause I remember I would write letters for him and they would come back bleeding because he'd be like, no, he read it out. <laughs> this doesn't sound professional. This doesn't sound, you know, no, no, no. And then, and I knew I was getting better when they bled less and less and less. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love so, it. So yeah, working with him was um, invaluable in learning how to conduct myself as an attorney with integrity and um, and, prof- and, and professionalism. So now, so, so many people, you know, they struggle and they understand. I know you, you really kind of hone in on trademark as your profession and as an attorney. And so a lot of people struggle understanding like the do's and don'ts. And I wanted to get into a few questions. And one of my questions that I had before I did our trademark for um, Truth and Coffee and for Dyrus Love is that before I understood trademark and people was like, oh, don't worry about it. all you need to do is copyright, just copyright, <laughs> copyright, copyright. And then I, I, when we started this podcast, we got into a mentoring community where we was actually able to talk to mentors who would bring on um, attorneys and other people to kind of help us understand what needs to be done in podcasting. And they kind of debunked that whole thing. And I would love for you to share the, what is the the big difference between copywriting and trademarking, and should you do both? Okay, well, let's start with copyright. Copyright. Okay. Let's think about ideas. Ideas are floating everywhere, right? They're all over the place. Mm-hmm. But with copyright, copyright is the the, the technical um, definition of it is um, it's an idea that's affixed to a tangible medium. So it's an idea that you're putting down on paper that you're putting in a video on a, on a, um, an audio recording. It's, it's an actual tangible um, representation of your idea. And so that's what you copyright. Now, when you actually affix that idea to a tangible medium, it is automatically copyrighted. However, um, you need proof in order to sue for infringement. So if someone was to steal that idea, um, your registration of the of that idea affixed in tangible medium um, with the copyright office, the U.S. Copyright Office, is your proof that you have registered the proof that you of when you actually did that. Mm-hmm. So um, some people talk about the poor man's way of copywriting, where you kind of like mail something to yourself. Mm-hmm. No, that doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, I was given that advice. That, that 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 doesn't work. The only real proof is your actual registration with the copyright office. Um, so that's with ideas, but trademark is something different. Trademark is pertaining to brands. It's about brand identity as a source of the goods and pro- goods and services that you provide. That's something completely different. So when you trademark something, you're actually you're um you're registering it with the USPTO and and distinguishing your brand from someone else's brand. Mm-hmm. So that there isn't any consumer confusion in the marketplace, which is um which is the reason why, like, you know, if you saw my shirt and you wanted to know uh, who made, where did you get that shirt from? Right. You would look at the tag of the shirt and look at the brand that's on the tag to tell you whether it's from the Gap or from um, Express or something like that. And that's the brand that's telling you the source of where I've gotten the shirt from. Mm-hmm. When you look at your podcast and you say, you see truth and coffee, you know that that's the source. That is where, that's who is making the um the podcast. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to whether you should do one or the other or both for you for let's say for a podcast, you'd mm-hmm. want to do both. So you want to trademark the brand as the as the brand of the podcast, but you also want to copyright the content because these are all ideas that we're talking about, right? right. So the formatted everything. So you would copyright 
the actual visual representation, the visual recording of the uh, of the podcast. If you're doing that, you would copyright the audio recording of the cop of the of the podcast, mm-hmm. and then you may even want to copyright the transcription of the of the of the uh, of the podcast so that it's not duplicated somewhere else. That is such good information. <laughs> so thank you, thank you, thank you. So. I was given that information about the mailing of the letter. Like, just mail yourself, mail that back to yourself. Girl, let me tell you something, okay? I was mailing letters to myself years ago, like, mm, this is how you're supposed to do this. And then I put it in a file. And then I started researching and researching. And I'm like, if no. this was such a lucrative way of doing things, why isn't when I see these court cases of, of infringement, I never see anyone bring up, oh, I mailed myself this letter. And so now I'm protected. No. No. Another myth. That certificate of registration at the U.S. Copyright Office, that is going to be your proof that you have have a registered copyright. And you know, you you called it the poor man's copyright, which is that was how it was. That's what they call it. Yeah. But you know what? It doesn't cost a lot to copyright. It doesn't. Now, there's a, a much bigger cost to trademark. And I think that's why people sometimes shy away from, especially new businesses or someone who's just starting out. But it it doesn't cost a lot to copyright to just get it done. What 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 it what it is is a little bit time consuming because you kind of have to understand what path to copyright. Yeah. But it it doesn't cost much at all. It really doesn't. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. But with trademark, see, trademark is um. Your brand is your, I, I always say, it, it's your business's most important asset. Mm-hmm. Because once you put all the money and the time into building that brand, that is something that you can, just like with a tangible um, piece of property, like a home, you can actually sell it. You can um, leverage it in licensing contracts. You can um, bequeath it in a will. You can put it in a trust. It's something oh. that can build that can build um, value over time, the bigger it is. Think about McDonald's when it first started as that one restaurant Mm -hmm. and now it's over what, a trillion sold worldwide. Mm -hmm. That is now a huge, huge asset that is passed on and on and on. So you have to think of when when you're building a business and you're building a brand, you know, the ones I think that are the most successful are the ones that don't think of their brand as it is today, but thinks of what it could possibly be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they should filing that trademark early. Doesn't matter that you maybe haven't sold anything yet or whatever, but you don't know what it could possibly be later on. So once you, so if you secure it now, you know, so that someone else before someone else secures something that's similar to yours, then you have um, this huge asset that you can leverage later on. Okay. So another part of that, intellectual properties. How does that fit in with trademark or, or does it fit it in? All under, it's all, under, think of it as all under the same umbrella. Okay. So intellectual property is patents, which deals with um, inventions. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have your trademarks, then you have copyright, and you even have trade secrets. And trade secrets are like your like the formula for Coca-Cola mm. or baked beans. You see the commercial where they're like, I never tell, right? So that all they're all under the umbrella of intellectual property. I love that. Love it, love it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Deborah. Thank you. So, okay. So um as an author, would yeah. you, okay, so would you simply copyright your book and and trademark your brand? Am I saying that right? Or well, here's what I would do as an author. See, what I teach a lot of authors is that 
you can build a brand from your book, especially it's, it's especially, um, that's especially lucrative when you are in the business of like, let's say finance or, um, like coaching. Mm -hmm. So you, I say that the best business card you can, you can have is a book, to be honest, Mm -hmm. because if you write a book and then you center your entire coaching program around that book, then that's going to leap. That's going to, that's a great platform for you to leap off of to build your brand. Ordinarily, you cannot trademark a book title mm-hmm. and even copyright a book title. However, if that member, it's all about if it's connected, if your brand is connected to goods and services. So if your book title is connected to a product or service, then you are now eligible to trademark it. So if you are selling, um, as a children's book author, if you're mm-hmm. selling, um, clothing apparel or pillows or, uh, um, I don't know, books on your own books, not necessarily the book of that title, but any other book, mm-hmm. uh, under the name of that book title, mm-hmm. um, let's use Zora, for example, if my, if my website was just Zora, Got right. It. And I'm selling books and I'm selling t-shirts and I'm selling everything under Zora, then yeah, I can trademark it. If I have a book series, you can trademark it. You can trademark it if it's a book series. Mm -hmm. Um, Harry Potter is trademarked. Um, Chicken Soup for the Soul is trademarked. For the Dummies books is trademarked. These are all all titles of books that are trademarked. Mm. Um, But yes, most definitely, if you have a coaching business, you can um, uh, use that book, that main book that you're using to introduce your your program or introduce you and your business Maybe you might use that as part of your one-on-one coaching, your speaking engagements, um, any other uh, webinars or presentations that you're doing, then you can use, you can trademark, create that brand from that book and trademark it under all those different categories. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for breaking that down for us. Um, Okay. So, all right. Now, me, you talked about this a little bit before we got started. Yeah. You asked me the question you asked me was, okay, now you have you're having me on your platform, but have you guys trade trademark your your podcast or or you know, and then you know our brand is diverse love. Yeah. And we have. We we have. I started the process months and months ago, but I did it on my own. I started it, I did it by myself, I did it on my own, did some research. I don't know if I did everything correct. So I'm like sitting on pins and needles waiting for after, you know, the trade um, commission them to the attorneys to review it, to sit, to come back to me, to tell me whether we have done this right or wrong or not. Mm-hmm. And so my, my thing is, how would you recommend, and you being an attorney, and I know you would recommend an attorney. But what would that process look like, Deborah? Because I went out on my own doing it because I just didn't understand trademark enough. And I felt like I didn't understand it enough to have an articulate conversation with an attorney to even tell them what I need to do. So I did it on my own and I probably fluffed up that whole thing. (laughs) And so I said to you, when when if it rejects, then I'm coming to you to help me fix all this, you know, this debacle. But gotcha. tell us how that what that conversation looks like when someone needs a trademark attorney. Okay, well, obviously, you don't need. It's not required, I should say. It's not required that you have an attorney help you with a um, 
uh, a trademark filing with the United States Patent and Trademark Office. It is recommended, though, because they show that it, you have a 60% greater chance of your application going through to registration if, with the help of an attorney. Mm-hmm. Because the first thing that you want to do is you want to do a search. Even though you are filing an application with the thought that you don't want anyone to copy your brand, right. but the fact of the matter is, is that there are brands out there that existed before yours. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure from the onset that you're not infringing on anyone else's already established brand. Because if it's found that you are, that could be that could be very costly to you in defending yourself for an infringement claim. Right. So you do a comprehensive search. Now, there are people who do searches on their own. Um, but the thing is, it's a very it's kind of nuanced, especially in searching on the USPTO. It's a nuanced way of doing it. Yeah. So let's say, for example, and I always like to use this example because this is when um, uh, one of my uh, one of my mentors actually used this example, and I love it. Mm-hmm. So say you uh, are opening up a coffee shop, and you want to use you want to call it Starbucks, but you want to add two S's at the end. Mm-hmm. If you were to do a search on the 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 USPTO website and put in Starbucks with two S's on the end, nothing would come up. And so you would think, oh, this is great. It's free. I can, I can, I can use that word. However, if you filed an application for that, you'd quickly find out that the actual Starbucks would come after you really quickly and squash your, your application. Because, so, because the sounding is familiar. Well, because the standard is not just the same, the same standard is similar, the same mm-hmm. or similar. And similar has a very broad meaning. It could mean similar in spelling, similar in sound, similar in connotation, similar in just general impression. Right. If I'm looking at it, what or as, as the average consumer, would I be confused as to whether this is it, it that this that this is the Starbucks that belongs to this Starbucks? Mm-hmm. Is there a confusion that they're associated in some way? Um so a lot of people don't know that. They think it's the exact same. I didn't find anything that was the exact same, so therefore this should be good to go. Yeah. No. And what is considered similar could be varied. Um, I had one client whose name, um, let's just, I'm going to make up a name. Let's just say no. it was um, Elizabeth. Let's mm-hmm. just say it's Elizabeth. Well, is that Elizabeth with an S? Elizabeth with a Z? I mean, you would have to look up all the different variations of Elizabeth, Lizbeth, um, Liz, all of these things that could possibly give the same connotation. Mm -hmm. And people don't know to do that. So it's a very nuanced way of researching. Um, So someone tells me, oh, I did the research myself. I guarantee you, you probably didn't do it as thorough as you think that you could have done it. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing is, is that, yes, the examining attorney is looking at all registered trademarks and pending applications, to see if your application is the same or similar, selling the same or similar products and services to those. Right. However, it's not just limited to that. Because even if your application gets past the examining attorney and gets to the publication phase where everyone is put on notice of your application, and if anyone, even those who don't have a registered trademark, is um, can challenge your application if they feel that your re- registration of your um, brand is going to do harm to theirs, um, oh my goodness. I yes. didn't know that. Oh yes. So you want to make sure that you do a thorough search of anything that could that's possibly out there that could be harmful to your application. And that's what hap- that's what that's what we do. That's what us attorneys do when we do a comprehensive search. We're looking at everything. We're looking at business filings, domain names, 
um, social media handles. We're looking for anything that could possibly be a conflict to your application. And that's just something that um, lay people don't know. <laughs> they don't they don't know to do. Oh, I wouldn't have because I didn't do a com- comprehensive uh, search. I feel like I did, you know, in <laughs> my mind I did. But now that I'm listening to you, I'm not sure. <laughs> Of I mean, it's not a guarantee, though. You yeah. know, it's not a guarantee. The examining attorneys are human. Um, they may find something that we didn't find, or they may view something as being similar that we didn't view it to be similar. Um, I'm pretty conservative when I do my my searches. And I, I, any little thing, I'll let I'll I'll tell you, even if there's a remote chance. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not a guarantee. But our job is to. Is to, is to let you know the risk factors that are out there. And because then you, you're protecting your client. You know? Right. And then you make the decision of whether you want to go forward or not, but at least you know what's potentially out there that could be detrimental to your application. Mm-hmm. Now, have you had, Deborah, have you ever had any clients come to you after they've done it on their own and then find themselves in an yes. infringement situation? Um, not an infringement situation, but. Um, the other challenge is that when you get to the part of when it gets to the examining attorney, you could get hit with what's called an office action, a refusal for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Maybe your um, your 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 brand was considered to be merely descriptive. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it wasn't distinct enough. Maybe something needed to be disclaimed. Maybe you did get um, a likelihood of confusion with another brand, and now you have to defend that. Mm-hmm. But these are all things that if you had started from the onset, you could have been told that, oh, this needs to be disclaimed, or this is, you know, this is too generic. It's not, it, or you're not using this as a brand. Because I've had people who come to me with um, a t-shirt design, talk about difference between copyright and trademark, uh, a design on the front of their t-shirt. And they said, I want to trademark that. Well, that's not, that's not, that's not something that that's trademarkable. Right. That that's ornamental. Mm-hmm. And you can't, so you would have wasted money filing an application for something that you can't even trademark. Yeah. We, we got that, that refusal office action thing. And I'm like, Oh my God. So I've been in books and looking up stuff, but okay. Yeah. I got you though. <laughs> <laughs> Now, how long does the process normally take? Like once your trademark is approved, how long, you know, or no, no, no. How long does the process take to get to that approval? So from the the moment you, you know, you apply. Well, it can take a while now. I mean, because you have so many more people who are knowledgeable about trademark and the importance of it in building their brand. So you have so many more people who are doing it. Right. Um, So like, I think, like last year, it was like 950,000 applications that were filed last year. And then, I mean, when you average that out, you're talking about like 2,000 plus applications a day. Oh my um, right, exactly. So they are a little bit backlogged. Um, I'm seeing now that applications are taking up to nine to 10 months before they're actually even seen by an examining attorney. Mm. And then you're talking about, you know, it takes time after that. If you If you were to not have any, be fortunate enough to not get any um, uh, office actions or whatever and kind of sail through, you're, you're still looking at about a year. Wow. Now, how long do you get to keep that trademark 
before you have to re-register? Is there a re-registering point? Well, it's not re-reg. It's not really re-registering. It's just renewal. So you have to show proof. You have to be consistently using the mark in order to keep it. Mm -hmm. So after you filed for, after you've actually gotten registered, you have to file renewal documents between years five and six, showing proof that you're still using it. And then again between years nine and ten, and then every ten years thereafter. If you fail to file those documents, your mark can get canceled. And if it's canceled, then it's free game for someone else to uh, to register it. Okay. So give me some examples of, of proof of showing, how do I show proof that I'm using my brand? Like give us some proof, some examples okay. of that. So if like for your podcast, if you're filing for a podcast, then you would show maybe um, the website of the podcast, mm -hmm. a website advertising the podcast with the brand Truth and Coffee on um, on the top. Mm -hmm. That's the way to show it. If you're doing like a coaching program or something like that, then you would show maybe um, a flyer for uh, for your services. Um, if, if you're a speaker, you're showing something that um, advertises your speaking engagement or something like that. Or if it's for a website, then you would show the website. There's different, it, it, it varies. It varies depending on the class of goods and services that you have registered for. Right. What, what those, what they call specimens, what those specimens are to show proof. Right. My nephew is going to love this episode. He's in the, the realm right now. If he's starting this little side hustle, this business, and he's very savvy, he's always researching. So He's always looking about copywriting and trademarking and how to do. He's going to love this episode. So oh, good, I'm good, so excited good. Um, for him. Okay, all right. So now you told us what kind of determines a trademark infringement. Now, is it is is that as simple as copying someone's logo, or could it be that simple, or could it be more detailed for for infringement? Infringement just means that you are using a brand, you are using something that's the same or similar mm -hmm. enough that it causes confusion. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, you may get a cease and desist letter telling you that you, I have a registered trademark and your use of your brand in this way is infringing on my trademark. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you continue to do it, yeah, ignoring the cease and desist letter, yeah. then you may find that you're going to get sued for infringement in federal court. But it's not just that you're using the brand, but that you're using it in a similar way you, in connection to the same or similar products. Yeah. Because when you have a trademark, it's not exclusive. You don't have, you don't own that brand in, you know, entirely, no matter what, that no one anywhere can use it. Right. Example is um, Dove Soap and Dove Chocolate. You have mm. it's the same, it's the the same brand, right? right? Two different companies in two different classes of goods and services. One is for you know food, chocolate, and the other one is for soap. Mm -hmm. um, and they're in the thought processes is that their consumers are not running in the same channels, so mm -hmm. there is no consumer confusion. So it's not just that someone is using your brand, Truth and Coffee. If it, you know if someone else is using Truth and Coffee, Truth, Truth and Cafe, Truth right. and coffee with two with um with um one f and two e's at the end or mm -hmm. the coffee with a k as you know k for Got coffee it. like that or if you know if they're doing that for podcasting mm -hmm. then yes that's an infringement but if they're doing truth and coffee and that's the name of their coffee shop that's not infringement mm -hmm. well you know we came across that right 
But there's a caveat to that because if you are a, um, it depends on how also how famous your brand is mm. because you can't open up a, uh, let's think of a, a hardware shop and call it Disney. Can't do that. Yeah. Can't do that because that may cause, that may um, render a false sense of association. And so you can't, you can't do that. You can't go and slap a McDonald's on your t-shirt and start selling t-shirts that say McDonald's. Can't do that. You know, so there's, there's so much to this. This is why an attorney is, is needed because you just told me at least 10 different ways as to why you would have to be careful when you're doing it on your own. Even if you're trying to be savvy and say, oh, I'm going to put two E's, or I'm going to put two S, or I'm going to put a K. And I mean, all of these things that we inherently have gotten such really, really bad advice on yeah. what we could do. And we absolutely can't do that. And we're going to end up somewhere in, in a financial bubble trying to figure out how to get ourselves out of that infringement. So um, I love that. Thank you. Thank you so oh. much. Okay. So we're going to switch gears. Sure. Take your, I mean, you can always keep that attorney hat on, but I'm talk about more of the author side. Okay. When you were writing Zora in the very big question, what, and I know it was, that was loosely about you and then Zora, you know, being brave, it's more about what you went through, but what did you learn about yourself and what surprised you the most about you, what you learned about yourself while you were writing that book? Um, that, one, that was your first children's book, right? It was. Okay. It was I mean, it's not what it surprised me about writing the book um, because I've been writing since I was like six. So writing is not, it's, it's something that comes natural to me. It's something that I love. It's, in the publishing part, mm. because, um, and true story, I was, it wasn't even on my radar. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to write the big, the next big novel, not children's books. Yeah. Um, and that's what I thought that I was going to do eventually. And my sister wanted to write a book, a children's book. And I thought it was interesting that she did. And she knows that I am master researcher, <laughs> master researcher. You tell me how to do it. Like when I was homeschooling, I, I researched for three months, everything there is to know about homeschooling. Mm -hmm. But, um, so I researched the entire process on how to self-publish a book. Mm -hmm. And in the process of doing that, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm gathering all of the contract, I'm drafting all the contracts for her, researching everything, how to get an ISBN, everything. I realized, Hmm, wait a second. Hmm. <laughs> so, okay. So there's a lot of law in this. Mm -hmm. And because I've been trying to figure out how to combine, how to marry writing with law, yeah. a lot of law with this and you can write. And I love children and I love education. Wow. So this kind yeah. of all fits together. Okay. This is what I can do. And um, when I realized that's what I wanted to do, the idea for the book kind of came to me and I wrote it. And then my husband was like, all right, so what are you going to do with it? <laughs> He's the like, challenge. okay. There comes the challenge. Let me tell you something. He is so used to hearing my ideas. It's not even funny. And he was like, so what are you going to do? Just take it? Just stick it, in a, stick it in a drawer somewhere or whatever. And he kind of challenged me to take the leap forward. Do you get that? Yeah. yeah. So they take that leap forward and actually pursue it. And, and so I... 
I surprised myself that here was an idea that I had and I went for it and I did it and I stuck with it and I saw it through to the end. And, um, and I have been doing that ever since I have not given myself any excuses since then. Um, and that's the part that has surprised me that I have, that I now, I now have two books yeah. And that I have two more in production yeah. and that I have, you know, aspirations to do all kinds of things like in 20, I've put it out there and I'm going to put it out there on your podcast that in 2025, cause I have things to do next year in 2025, I'm going to do a UK tour. I'm going to go and, and, and do a tour, go to the UK and, and spread my books there and, and anywhere else that I can, yeah. because, um, I, I, there's no limit now. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't put any limitations on age and on time or anything like that. It's just, and that's the thing that I think has surprised me a years ago when I um, was still trying to figure out how to be a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to a women's empowerment summit. It's mm-hmm. so weird. I went to a women's empowerment summit. I think that this was 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, they had a panel where they were talking about living your best life, living your dreams or whatever. And I raised my hand and I said, you know, I'm this lawyer and I'm trying to, at the time I wanted to transition from being a lawyer entirely. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I, I just want to write. I want to be a writer. I just don't know how to do it. I'm, I'm just, a, you know, this lawyer and I don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I got some kind of convoluted answer that I don't even think I remember, yeah. but from this woman who I'd never met still don't even know. She tapped me on my shoulder and she handed me a post-it note and it said something to the effect of when stop thinking about yourself as a lawyer who sometimes writes, but think of yourself as a writer who just happens to be a lawyer. Oh, wow. And once you do that, like will attract like, and it will open your whole world. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I still have it. I think I framed it somewhere. And I wrote a whole blog post about that because it changed it changed my whole mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It changed my whole mindset. So, you know, I didn't really completely tell you how I became a trademark attorney because that was born out of my writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had taken intellectual property in college. I've been a litigator for the whole 16, well, no, not the whole, about 15 out of the 17 years that I've been an attorney, mm-hmm. a little bit shorter, but, and I started doing trademark. I mean, I've done trademarks before or whatever, but as an, as an author, and I saw as an author, I had people who were asking me about copyright. And I saw that as a way to, um, another way to cater and empower authors mm-hmm. to get their message out there and to build their brand or what have you. And I said, again, another idea, right? I went to my husband and I said, you know what? Working for another firm, not, not only do I not want to work for another firm again, not only do I want to work for myself, right? but I'm going to open a trademark firm. And he was like, what? You're going to do Here what? We Here we go. You're going to do what? I was like, I'm going to open a trademark firm. I'm going to do that. I'm just going to, that's what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to surround myself with people who um, have done it and are doing it. And I'm going to be, and I'm going to be a part of this tribe and I'm going to lean on the tribe and I'm going to do it. And, um, and that's, 
yeah, that's that's how that was born. But um, <clears throat> I think it's important to just leap out and just, you know, yeah, I got tired of trying to find a seat. I, yeah, I got tired of trying to find a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. So I decided to build my own. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So you almost got me there emotionally. Don't take much for me to cry, especially. Don't take much for me either. But I thought it was very, I don't know exactly if that woman knows how how much she changed. Yeah. I just needed that because I am. I'm a writer. I've always been a writer. Yeah. I just happen to be a lawyer. Yeah. You know, I um I've been struggling with that concept for so long, especially since I did my first children's book. And I'm actually working on a second one, but not mm-hmm. as fervently as I worked on my first one. And I worked on my first one with my friend, a very dear and loving friend of mine. Um, and you know her, Kim Lee, mm-hmm. um, my co- uh, co-author, and she has just soared in yeah. writing. I mean, she is everywhere. When you there, you can't go on social media in any author community and you not see her. And so I had sat back one day and I went, you know, you know, people say, you know, how do you feel about your co-author spreading the word with your book and you're 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 never there? And I thought, you know, but that's her thing. Like that's her passion. That's her podcasting is mine. And I didn't know how to tell that story without feeling bad that I'm not out there beating the street. I do read alouds. I I do, you know, virtuals. I go to community, but not to the aspect of her. And when I go to these, I always think about, hmm, I can ask her to be a guest on my podcast. Or hmm, I can ask him to be a guest on my podcast. And it just hit me. I'm a podcaster who happens to be an author. And so just hearing you say that gives validation to so many of us out there who are like on this seesaw. We're teetering like, because we think we think we're supposed to be like this person or do it like that person. And we're kind of lost in where we need to be. Well, is Gail, is Gail doing what Oprah's doing? Right. Does it make her less successful? Not at all. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Not at all. That's her path. Yeah. Your path is this is your path. Mm-hmm. And um I I yeah, this is your path. I don't I don't I do not envy, I don't compare. Yes. I am my own Absolutely. person. Um I I know that there are authors out there that are putting out more books than I am for mm-hmm. you or what have you. And that's great. And I am happy for them. I support them. Yes. I am there for them. That's their journey. That's their that's you know, that's that's their journey. Mm-hmm. This is my journey and I'm not going to rush it. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm going to go at my pace and things are going to come for me when they're, when the good Lord says that they're supposed to come for me mm-hmm. and that's how I view it. And you know, I, we could, we can all shine. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and your testimony gives permission. It gives permission for so many of us, African-American women who who have allowed society to put age limits on mm. what we could do on, and so many other types of limits on what we can do. Just hearing testimonies and stories of what you said and what other people who are, are in that same type mindset, it gives validation and permission for, for us all to say, okay, hey, you know what? I'm not going to put an age limit on this. No. I'm going at my own pace because... Your timing is not my timing. My my friend who wrote the book with me, she used to always say to me, you have the same 24 hours that I do. 
what I do in my 24 hours may be totally different than what you do in your 24 hours. Exactly. You can compare because your pace is your pace. And I love that. I do but, not give, look, I'm not going to give my age, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I started a firm and started publishing and started everything after 45. Yeah. There is no, but look at, look at me. I jumped out on starting a business, doing a podcast. After 55, I wrote a book after 55 First of all, and you look fabulous doing it. And who the hell cares? <laughs> and you look fabulous doing it. Who cares? You know what I think? Um, I wrote, I wrote, I, I, I did a post because something had moved me one time. And I said something to the effect of um, when a rocket, before a rocket can take off, it has to build that momentum. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But once it takes off, there's no telling how far it can go, right? Who's to say that we're not where we are, exactly where we are at the exact moment that we're supposed to be here because it has taken up until this point, all of the knowledge, all of the wisdom, all of the patience that we have acquired over and all the of the pain. And the pain, mm -hmm. right? And the pain to, at, to this point, to, to, to be able to do what we're doing right now. I didn't discover, I, I mean, for years I was looking, I mean, it was torture really yeah. looking for my passion, looking for my purpose, trying to figure out what am I supposed to be doing? I'm a lawyer, but I don't really like what I'm doing. Yeah. Is there something in law that I can be doing that I, that I, that I like? Um, I'm a writer, but I don't know what, what am I doing? And when I found that moment, where I could put both of them together and be ecstatically happy for both, where I could talk about either one for hours. That was, ah, uh, yeah. that was my, that was my nirvana. Yeah. Your light bulb moment. Mm -hmm. You can breathe your breath of fresh air. Hey, that was my nirvana. Cause I was just like, Oh, that's it. This is it. This is it. And I think that when you do what you love, I, I remember hearing years ago, if you, when you do what you love, the money follows. I'm not even thinking about that. I just want to wake up every day and be, be happy, happy about what you're doing. Happy about, uh, that I'm doing something that I feel like is making a difference mm -hmm. and that brings me joy. Oh, I love it. You're giving me chills. Thank you. Thank you so much. So in that same vein, um, you help others in their passion. How do you how do you share your books and brand protection knowledge with your communities? So how you you said you married those together. Now, how do you spread that word among your communities? Well, um, well, I reach out. Well, I belong to a lot of different communities, and I try to particularly align myself with authors, and that's something that I definitely talk about with them when we're, you know, when in forums and, and networking and so forth. Um, I'm actually working on a webinar uh, that I'm going to try to get out possibly by April where I go, it's kind of like a high level uh, discovery call where I go really in depth into uh, trademark, the process, um, common legal pit pitfalls of, of trademarking um, in for different industries and so forth um, to kind of give people an overview. Because like I said before, uh, a lot of small businesses and solopreneurs, they know that trademark exists yes. and that it's something maybe to protect their business or whatever, but they don't really know what it is. Mm -hmm. um, historically, I don't think it was something that was really open to small businesses. Mm -hmm. Most mm -hmm. the large firms that were practicing intellectual property, mm -hmm. and that was not really 
feasible economically for small businesses to to tap into um, more the major corporations. But because now um, more and more small uh, law firms and solo practice practitioners like myself um, are practicing intellectual property, it's now feasible for the small business person to uh, to tap into that. I personally prefer to work with small businesses um, and solopreneurs, especially from the startups from the ground up. Um, because I think that historically major businesses have been predatory yeah. to the small ideas and the brands of small businesses. Absolutely. Really, I'm an educator at heart. I really, really am. I'm told that I should have, I should have become a teacher because I love educating. And um, so I love to, to deal with the solo and the small businesses to educate them about what their brand is and how it can be an asset to build generational wealth, mm. you know, for generations to come. And it's, and how it's really, really important to protect yourself now before some, before some big hawk comes in and tries to steal your, to steal your brand. So whenever I'm, wherever I can, I spread the word on podcasts like this, mm -hmm. um, in different networking groups and forums, um, anywhere I can. I love it. And for those of those of you out there who are authors, who are, who are, um, you know, especially new businesses, small businesses, solo entrepreneurs, come, you, you guys, please listen to this podcast, hit up our, our trademark attorney here. And I, I just love it. You know, I promise you on everything. If that office action comes back, <laughs> girl. All right. So, in your and so in your journey uh, and all that you learn and you're still learning, what has been your most important lesson that you learned in that in this journey? Oh, <laughs> I can tell you three. Okay, because it's something that I tell um, students when I go when I do author visits and I do this whole presentation on um, on 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 how to write a story and how to be an author. Um, number one, I tell them that you're never too young or too old to become an author. Never. Mm -hmm. You can, I, I recently posted on my, on my Instagram, uh, two, two stories that I published, mm -hmm. right, um, in my elementary school magazine when I was in first grade. And I considered that my first publication. That's when I became an author in my book. So you're never too young or too old to become an author. Number two, and this is the one, this is the important thing that I'm so glad that I learned, but I mean, I learned it at a later age, but if you, I can empower any young person to know this from the beginning, it's invaluable. Um, life is not one act. Mm -hmm. It's multiple acts. Yeah. You don't have to pick one profession and do it till you die. Yeah. You don't have to work because our parents taught us that you, you do your yes. profession and then your passions is what comes later on at night or after you've retired, mm -hmm. you can do multiple things in your life. I, for at one point was a volunteer EMT. You can be, you know, you can, you can be, I can be, I'm a lawyer. I'm an attorney. I'm a lawyer. Um, I'm an author. You, I maybe next week, uh, maybe I'll do something else. I don't know, but you can do multiple things in this life. Um, number three, I did say three things, right? Yes, you did. Number three, um, and this is also really important is that we live in a time where we are not 
beholden to waiting for opportunity to come our way. We don't have to sit and wait for a big publishing house to come and pick up our book. We can create our own opportunities, create our own destinies. And so if, like I said before, if there is no seat at the table, then build your own table. Yeah. Build it. your own table or take a seat or bring your own chair. Yeah. Something because yeah. you hear so many success stories of like Issa Rae who had this webinar on YouTube mm-hmm. that got picked up and was insecure on HBO. Mm-hmm. There's like there's so many opportunities now where people are putting things on all the social media platforms and creating their own brands and and they're and they're finding that the major companies, major networks are coming looking for them. Mm-hmm. So those are the three things that I learned um, that took me a while. But I got there yeah. and I learned it. And it's something that I, I really like to stress to, to young people, because I think that if I had learned that at a young age, yes. it saved me a lot of stress in thinking that I had to pick one profession and that was it. Mm-hmm. And that um, it would have maybe maybe a little bit more fearless when I got older to just branch out and and take the risk of doing things because my mother always told me, if you never ask the question, the answer is always going to be no. Always, always, because you never know what else it's going to be. Right. I agree. Totally agree. I love this. And as we're getting to wrap this up, Deborah, I have gotten so many nuggets. I am so blessed to have so many awesome guests on our platform. I'm always in awe when I get these amazing guests to say yes, to, our, to, to what I call our small platform now, but it has grown so much, just you know, having so many great people on. So I'm just always in awe and I'm always sitting back. I'm Like I said, I'm over 55 and I learned something from every guest and I'm sitting here and I've learned so much just listening to you, not just from the trademark and the author point, but just humanitarian, just, just being a human and, and giving validation and permission to go forth and do other things, even at my age, you know, so I love it. Thank you so, so, so very much. So from you too. Thank you. (laughs) So these are my staple questions that I always kind of end with is um, you give so much to so many people, even, you know, like I said, with me, um, with the community, with other authors, you, you've changed your whole trajectory just to help, you know, so many authors, but what does your self-care look like? Who, how do you give back to yourself? Ooh, you know what's so funny about this question? And I have to say this, is that I ask every person I interview, I ask tons of questions. And you guys answer it. Fired off, right? Fired <laughs> off, like you're so ready. And then I get to this one question about self-care. And there's always a pause. Or there's always a hesitation. Now, my editor, he he cuts out the pause in the in the hesitations. So it'll look like you just flowed with the with the the answer just like any other question. But you know what? I keep re- um uh, forgetting to tell him, don't take that out. Because I think it's important to that- hear the pause. Can you hear that by the way? I don't hear anything now. Okay, because my husband's making an awful lot of noise when he knows I'm on a podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what do I do for self-care? Yeah. How do you give back to you? Something that I've loved to do since I was about maybe 19 is that, um, 
I love spending time with myself. I love it. I absolutely love it because I realized a long time ago that in order for me, before I met my husband, that in order for you to love someone, you have to love yourself. Mm-hmm. And I love spending time with me. Mm-hmm. And so my self-care, my little happy place is sometimes just going to a movie by myself mm-hmm. or sitting in a restaurant all by myself. Yeah. With maybe my fit, maybe with a, a good book and just sitting there and just spending time with me. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that too. And I think um, I am an introvert at heart. And I made a post the other day and I said, um, I'm so socially awkward, you know, and the more I spend time with me, the more I'm like, a hermit just wanted to be with me. And then when COVID came and everyone had to be in the house, for me, it was like, oh, okay. Well, oh, that was torture. That was torture. <laughs> Not for me, because it's like, I'm here anyway. <laughs> this is what I do. For my husband, it was torture. You know, not just him being with me all day, every day, but just the fact that he is the social person, you know, and, and I'm always the behind the scenes person. So doing, but doing things virtually has helped me to really, really come out of my shell you know, having these great conversations and these diverse dialogues. So I love spending time with myself. And I think that's so important, right? Not just it, is. Like- it is. It is. It's just to, just to get back to you. I mean, like I can be, I can be in my home all day mm-hmm. on a television, not a radio. Mm-hmm. My husband doesn't know how I do it. He thinks that that's insane. And I was like, but it's actually just because my brain is always going and I'm always thinking and the television is actually a distraction because Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I, 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 I think I, I have that good balance. I like to be by myself sometimes, but Mm -hmm. then I also crave other people and other ideas because with other people, that's where you get those ideas from. Iron sharpened iron. And, um, and just hearing someone else's, uh, experience or or something it can make it make spark an idea. Yeah, I love it. I love, I love it. that. Okay, so my next question is though, um, you're empowering and pouring into so many. Now that's your self care, but now who pours into you other than your husband? Because I know my husband is like my confidant, and yes. and and I and he. But who else in your circle? Like how? Like you have a mentor who pours into you. In what way? Like, you know, when you're trying to to figure out, like even with you trying to figure out how to marry, you know, author and, and lawyer. And, and I heard you say something about having a mentor. What does that mentor do for you now in the in the journey that you're in now? And maybe you shouldn't have said mentor. Maybe I want to take that part out because maybe I wouldn't say mentor. She was more like an advisor because she's someone who has a trademark firm. And so she kind of guides me mm-hmm. into into the do's and don'ts of owning a firm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that many people pour into me and they probably don't even know that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Like that woman who gave, who gave me that post-it. Yes. She, she didn't even know she was doing it. Um, you, the other authors that I, that I, that I, the, let me tell you something. It war- it, it says something to me very deeply when I can have an idea Yes. Without an email, 
and saying, look, this is what I need. I need, I need, um, I want to donate these books to these, li- to this library and this, in this school or what have you. Mm-hmm. And I need you to send me books for free, mind you. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and the authors that I ask do it. Yeah. No questions asked. Yeah. That says so much to me that, I mean, it fills my heart to the point where I could burst to know that they could, that they would do that to me. That's pouring into me yes. because, because that means that you trust me. That means that you um, believe in me and to do something like that. I call you and I tell you, I need you to come and read to some kids virtually. Give me your time and read and read to the kids. Mm-hmm. Yes. No problem. To me, that's pouring into me. Everybody that I try to connect, each person I think pours in because each person, you like you said before, you learn something new from everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone has something that they can teach you. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things about being part of our community and also with social media and Clubhouse yeah. Oh and, yeah, is that I now can tell you, probably out of the 50 states, I probably know someone in maybe 40. Yeah. Isn't 40. that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. I met some. I, I connected with someone today, and she's in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Well, darn! Now I can add Arkansas because I didn't know anyone in Arkansas, especially a black person in Arkansas." I said, "Now I can add that to the list." Wow! Look at that. I'm, I'm now. I'm dismissing like Oklahoma and some of the other places <laughs> and some of the other places. But these are different people, different perspectives. They come with a, you know, a new ideas. And I just, I love connecting with all those. So I think everybody pours into me. That's a great answer. I love that because I feel the same way. I mean, I, I do have a couple of people that are like my go-to, especially my husband. But mm-hmm. but when I look at the surroundings and I think, oh, I got this from that person. I got this from that person. Oh, I got this from that person. Most of them don't even know that they're giving me they the don't. nuggets, you know? So I totally agree. Deborah, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you. The community appreciates you. At this part of um, the the interview, I always like to bring up a couple of of our previous episodes to get your take on um, on that topic. On one of them, we did from um, season four, episode sixty six. I had uh, one of my writing writing mentors on Julian. Um, uh, Julian B. Kaganda to to interview her on on brand protecting as well, and she did a quote on there that said, "Don't waste your pain." And I wanted to get your take on just that quote. And she said it because she was saying that there was so much pain that she went through as a child, and there were so many different things that happened to her. But she used that fuel that that fuel of that pain to do what she's doing so fabulously today. And she said, we should never waste our pain. And I never thought about that. And I was wondering what, what's your thought on just that quote? Well, that's like, I mean, it's the same as don't let something happen in vain. Um, Use it as a fuel. It doesn't have, you can turn, it's, you can always turn a negative into a positive. So if that's the if that's the thing that fuels you to do better, to be better, or to prevent it from happening to someone else, then use it. I definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I wrote that down in so many places because I thought, man, what a way. I mean, we probably already do it today, but I just never thought about it and looking at it as don't waste what has happened to you. 
Mm-hmm. It because it's probably happening to someone else and they need to know how to get out of that pain or mm-hmm. how to use that pain, you know? So yes, definitely. Um, and the next one was um, from season three, episode 43. They taught us what they knew um, is how much of what your elders told you back in the day that you're still abiding by today. <laughs> well, my parents, <laughs> my parents are very wise people. And there's a lot of things that they told me that it's so funny that I find myself repeating now. To you? Like, <laughs> Sound like my parents. Wow. Wow. All these little, and there's, and there's all these little Caribbean mediums that they used to use. They used to say that I'm just like, okay, I think I understand that now. And I have called my mother. I think I understand that now, yeah. but um, I listened a lot to my parents growing up because I, I, I felt that they knew what they were talking about. I mean, I probably didn't let them know that I was listening, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but I, but I, but I did, but I did listen. I didn't listen when they told me that I, I mean, they, to, they always told me I talked too much, but then, you know, that I'm a lawyer. So yeah. I guess, I guess that came <laughs> and I had a huge imagination, but that's okay. My mother made me right. So that's how I got to, to deal with that imagination. But I think that they, they, they stressed education, especially mm-hmm. being immigrants and coming here they stressed education as an, as a, uh, as an avenue to success. It's not the only avenue to success, mm-hmm. but they, but they, they stressed it with me. And that's something that I held dear to. Um, and they stressed a hard work ethic. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think all of our elders did that, especially, you know, our age in those forties. Yeah. That was what it was, was brought them, what brought them through work. Yeah. Hard, period. Just work. Yeah. Keep your head yeah. down, work hard, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. A strong, a strong work ethic because they feel that, you know, I told my, I tell my son all the time mm-hmm. that, you're going to do either one of two things in life. You're either going to hustle in the classroom or you're going to hustle in the streets. Right. It is a fact. So if going to college is not necessarily your thing, mm-hmm. that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people who go to trade schools that are wildly mm-hmm. successful, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you don't have to hustle. You still yeah. got to hustle and um, you still got to put in the hard work in order to get to that, that place of success. Yeah. Sitting back and thinking that it's just going to happen to you organically. is it's not realistic. Yeah. It's not realistic. Does it happen? Sometimes it does, but um doesn't happen most of the time. So you still have to work hard. And, and my it parents, doesn't happen often enough for you to follow that pattern. Exactly. 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 Mm-hmm. And um. And my parents always told me, you know, don't ever do anything that you would be ashamed to look yourself in the mirror for. Yeah. And I so that's, that's important to me too. I agree. I tell my grandchildren the same thing. Like when you look at yourself, are you okay with who you, not are, you, with who are, you? are, but are you okay with what you did today? Yeah. Do Are you okay with it? You, you don't worry about me because- my standards are completely different, but are you okay with it? Yeah. You know? So, yeah, completely. Thank you. Thank you so much, Deborah. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you for having me, Denise. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Please tell us what your current projects are and what's next. Okay. So, um, 
like I said, I'm working on, well, I don't know if I said it, I'm working on two more books, Mm -hmm. Zora the Brave. That should be out sometime this year, sometime this year. Mm -hmm. And then I have another book that I'm really excited about called Summer Island that's being illustrated by the award-winning illustrator Ken Daly. He's a Mm -hmm. Caribbean um, uh, artist living in Toronto. Mm -hmm. That's all about the first time that I went to the Caribbean to visit my dad's family. Um, and their first, my grandmother met her American granddaughter. And so that I'm really excited about. So that's far as that's books are concerned. And of course I'm helping, I'm doing coaching and I'm doing editing and helping other authors there. And with Trademark, I plan to have release a, um, a webinar maybe in, in April mm-hmm. that I think I said before is a high level uh, discovery call that will go in depth in educating people about uh, trademark and the importance of it in building their brand as an asset. Okay. So where can people find you? Share your, share, you know, shout out uh, your community, <laughs> share your social media platform, your website, where can they find you? And it's also going to be in our show notes as well, but share it. Sure. Okay, so for my law firm, Mortimer Legal, um, the website is trademarkyourassets.com, A-S-S-E-T-S dot com. Socials are at trademark, Instagram at trademarkyourassets. Yeah, that's that. Facebook, it's Mortimer Legal. Leap Forward Publishing, uh, the website is leapforwardbooks.com and all the socials, it's at leapforwardbooks. Okay. Awesome. Now, my next question is, are you a coffee drinker, Deborah? Sometimes. So even in the sometimes, do you have either a favorite coffee brand or what was your favorite coffee moment? I don't think I had a favorite coffee moment. Oh, my gosh. Then, yeah, you're not a big coffee. I don't think I've had a favorite coffee moment. (laughs) Um, I don't drink coffee on a regular basis because... It gives me the shakes. So and I think I, you don't drink it enough. And then I'd have to go through withdrawal. And I think I'm pretty energetic all on my own. Um, but I do, and I'm not giving a plug to any particular brand. I'm not doing that. Right. They're not paying me. So I'm not going to give Absolutely. them a plug. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like certain flavors. Like I like hazelnuts or French vanilla. Mm-hmm. I have never, and, I, and this may surprise you, I have never, ever tried pumpkin spice ever, 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 ever. I haven't tried pumpkin spice, anything. The only pumpkin thing I've ever eaten is pumpkin bread or, um, or pumpkin pie, which I love, Mm -hmm. but the thought of pumpkin pie in a mug, drinking it, God, you would not appeal to me. Oh my God. Okay. Wait. So what flavors have you tried in a coffee? Like I said, hazelnut, um, French vanilla, Mocha, uh, what else? Mocha. That's it. All right. So if you can try those flavors, pumpkin spice flavor coffee, you got to just do it once to say you did it. And then let me know what you thought. Because if you, oh. can, do, if you can do French vanilla, which is overly sweet for some reason. I, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. It no, is. It's not. Hazelnut has more of a, wo- a woody type taste to it. And then mocha, of course, mocha is, is like a chocolatey, like you're just drinking coffee. Okay, well, here's the thing. I don't like straight coffee. Mm-hmm. So I typically, when I make coffee, because I have to make coffee for my husband all the time, I typically combine um, 
like hot chocolate or cappuccino mm-hmm. mix mm-hmm. with coffee. I like that combo. <laughs> but like just straight coffee with some cream, no. No. You just, just you pimping out your coffee. So many I like I, guess, I, I like I like it. I like elevated coffee. I like, <laughs> <laughs> I like coffee plus. So that's your favorite coffee moment there. A little, that's, that's a, little my a little cocoa with my coffee. But I'm I'm more of a tea drinker. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's for me, American. I, I, we drink tea. Let's drink this tea. Thank you. Tea. <laughs> Thank you for sharing the tea on my platform. <laughs> no problem. No problem. <laughs> Lastly, what is your parting advice for or parting words for our listeners? Oh wow! Do everything that you can do to live your best life, mm. and do it unapologetically. Mm. Yeah. 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 And that's the permission. Keep going forward. Yeah. Keep leaping forward. Leaping forward. (laughs) Plug every time. I love it. I love it. Leaping forward. Yeah. Live live life unapologetically. Because my, you know, um, my husband told me once when I was 40, I was complaining about being 40 and having not accomplished all kinds of different things. Right. I cried. Yeah. And then I hit 44. Mm-hmm. And I was complaining and um, about I hadn't accomplished all kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. And he said this to me. I'm so sick and tired of hearing you complain. In the four years that you have been complaining, you could have gone to medical school. You could have gotten a Ph.D. You could have started a company that's now a Fortune 500 company making two million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that you could have done. And now you're four years older. So you're going to complain. So now you're going to be even more upset because now you're older. Mm -hmm. And so now what are you going to do? Let another four years go by. And now you could have done even more. So just stop complaining. Thank you. Thank you from me me and Mr. B, my sidekick. (laughs) Without doing sidekick-ish. Thank you. We appreciate you. We appreciate all that you do. We appreciate what you're doing uh, for the community and how you are marrying the two very needed resources together of, you know, being an author, a trademark and, you know, protecting the brand. And then in the midst of all of that, you are sharing with so many students and communities and educating people. And I think that teacher, you know, aspect of your journey is going to always be there because, that is how you get your story out. You're a powerful storyteller. So um, oh, thank love you. That about you. Love that. And I thank you for all that you're doing because I think that what you're doing is amazing. Thank and the, the messages that you and your husband spread are, are needed as well. Thank you. We appreciate you. So everyone, you got where you can get, where you can find Deborah. And of course, it's going to be in our show notes. We're going to wrap this up. This has been a great interview. Thank you for, for burning the, the late night oil with me because I offered you a, a 530. It was better than it's better like, late night than the early morning. I have some guests that love that 5 a.m. You probably spot. would have got the very different Deborah at 5 <laughs> in the morning. Let me just tell you that. Well, you know what? If you had had some coffee, you'd be okay. <laughs> no. No. Thank you. Thank you everyone for joining us. We appreciate you. If you want to connect with our podcast platform, please hit us up at hello 
at diverselove.com or truthandcoffeetime at gmail.com. Our website is www.diverselove.com or www. My husband hates when I say the W, so I say them just for him www.truthandcoffeetime.com. Our website is out there. Of course, my my books are out there. My self-care ebook is out there. Um, I'm going to be doing a read aloud um, with my friend here, Deborah, here soon. So you guys will be getting a post on that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love y'all for real. And thank you so much for allowing Deborah Mortimer of Leap Forward Publishing and the trademark your assets or what, what, wait, hold on. Let me get it. That's right. Trademarkyourassets.com. Allowing us to come into your home, your office, your car, wherever you're listening to our podcast and share our truth over coffee and she may have tea thank you everyone (laughs) thank you friends for hanging with us we got you don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and also please follow us on ig facebook and twitter our social platform is at diverse love that's d-i-v-e-r-s-e-l-u-v and don't forget you can listen to our podcast on anchor Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Thank you, friends. We love y'all for real. Okay, me, take us out. It's Truth and Coffee time. Help me not think about all my lows. Think of who you are sometimes. Girl, you always on my mind. Looking like it's Truth and Coffee time. Tell me what you really want to know.